0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Under the Radar SFF Books Podcast. I'm your host, Blaze, as always. I apologize for the little bit of hiatus, but, you know, the holidays and Christmas and everything coming up. uh, Couldn't couldn't help but enjoy the family. But we're back with another author interview. And today I am pleased to be joined by fantasy and science fiction author Karen Loachi. She is the author of the War Child trilogy series and also the author of The Gaslight Dogs, a fantasy grimdark uh, book that just stole my heart in all the right ways and maybe a little bit of the wrong ways too. So, uh, Karen, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for joining.
1: Thank you for inviting me, Blaze. Happy to be here.
0: (laughs) Oh, anytime. I know we've been trying to have this done for a couple months now. Uh, Glad to finally have you on the program. And for all you listeners out there who listen to my other uh, episodes, Karen actually joined us when we did our live stream with Janney Wirtz talking about uh, The Curse of the Mist rates So it's great to have you back on uh, as always.
1: Thank you. That was a lot of fun.
0: That was yeah, so much fun. And we've just been itching to get you back on. Uh, we have a lot to discuss. We're not We're going to be talking about not one, but two of your series. So uh, but before we get into that, um, why don't you tell us what made you want to become a writer and what were your key uh, influences uh, along the way?
1: Well, I The simple answer is that I've always written um, some of my earliest memories, and I'm talking four, five, six years old, I was writing stories. So to me, storytelling has always been kind of deeply rooted in my existence, and um, that desire only grew the older I got, and I was always reading, um, and reading was a refuge. For me, and a, a way to expand my imagination, and all of those things that reading is for for children. And I guess the drive to want to tell my own stories comes out of that love, that um, foundational kind of love of storytelling. And yeah, I've always I've always written. Um, some of my first stories were about stuffed animals coming to life. You know, before <laughs> before I even read the Velveteen Rabbit, I wrote stories about dragon families. So it, it was always that, you know, and some of my earliest, I guess, books that I was reading and loving was like the Narnia Chronicles. I read uh, the novel for Bambi, Watership Down, you know, animal related novels I loved. Um, went through a period as an adolescent of reading like teen horror books, romance, and then science fiction and fantasy in some form in uh, YA, even though it wasn't really called Young Adult back then. But Um, A lot of uh, YA writers, uh, then transitioning into adult science fiction fantasy, kind of late, I guess, compared to some people. I didn't actually get deep into reading adult science fiction fantasy until late high school university. Um, Before that, I was reading, uh, I guess, uh, for want of a better term, like uh, just straight literary works. Um, And then, you know... uh, kind of team genre stuff so yeah so it, it my love of writing comes out of just uh always always doing it i don't i don't remember any other endeavor in my life outside of um art uh visual art um occupying my time as a child and through my life other than writing and writing has always been something that i did without encouragement and often even discouragement i would write and and then I felt that I really wanted to learn it as a craft and um, not just to do it, to do it, but to really respect it as a craft and to hone it as a craft and to explore it as a craft. And so that's kind of the origins of it.
0: Excellent. And uh, on that, why don't we just jump right into your debut novel, um, War Child. I read this book uh, a few months ago and was pretty shocked because I feel like this book, it was written in um, 2002, was well ahead of its time. It delves into the very dark as- um, aspects of society and of the science fiction genre. You go into piracy, you go into kidnapping, you go into some cases of abuse. How did this novel come about becoming constructed? And when did this first idea come into your head?
1: Um, I think I started in, in the strange other writer's world. Totally understand this in the strange way sometimes in the way books come about. I'd had an idea that was tan- like looking back on it is tangential to what ended up being War Child. So I had an idea that was completely different, um, and I was building out a, a galactic history for want of a better term, and I was focused on something completely different in that galactic history. In the course of thinking about that and brainstorming that idea, um, Joss as a character came up um, as a side character, as someone who I thought at the time was, oh yes, this is someone who is was uh, raised by the uh, alien sympathizer enemies, and he was just going to be a secondary character um, on the space carrier. And And then how the unconscious works, I think, is that while you're looking somewhere else, your brain is operating another facet. And I literally woke up one morning with the first lines of the novel in my head, and I knew then that the story that I wanted to tell was actually from his point of view, and that his was was really the voice that I wanted to explore and not the other things, which were more intellectual, I guess you can say. This is where, I think as a writer, you learn to trust like the difference between the intellectual what you want and then instinctively and intuitively what you want and um, the intellectual part has its place um, I think mostly in the editorial side of writing um, but the intuition part I guess you can say he was his character and his the novel kind of bloomed out of a very deep-seated intuitive part of me and once I committed to that, to his point of view and his story, then it was off to the races where we're we're considered like research and and the focus of what I wanted to talk about and his life and his voice and how the story was going to unfold. All of that kind of came about pretty organically at that point.
0: And just so um, everyone listening is um, following along. Uh, could you give just like a brief overview of what War Child um, is about and what it's trying to tackle, not just with this book, but with the series as a whole?
1: Yeah. Um, So it was published in 2002, but I began writing it, I think, in 98, 99, around 98, 99. Um, I think I wrote the bulk of it in 1999, 2000. Um, At that time, there wasn't a lot of Talk or conversation around child soldiers, and there wasn't a lot of talk or conversation around, like globally. I'm talking about, or in the social consciousness, child exploitation or trafficking in the world, um, and how pervasive it is, like globally, not just in certain parts of the world, but actually globally. So, when I started to write his story, and I and I've always been interested in, in, uh, I guess the human continuity of war in human history um, since I was a teenager for whatever reason um, a young teenager too I was I got very interested in reading memoirs from people who fought in various wars um, and not just fought or some people who've been in behind the lines and and just the whole mechanism of it and The point of view of those people not the historians but the people actually experiencing it and i think with war child what happened was this confluence of all of these deep interests that i had came together through the vessel of this story and and when i say deep interest i mean without even knowing it consciously but a deep interrogative interest where i was as a person interrogating the role of war in Human society and in individual lives and how that affects people. And I really, as I just came to be as a character, I got really invested and really interested and really passionate about wanting to explore the impact on children. Because I, um, I mean, the caveat being, it's not like I'm super well read, but um, as I said at the time, there wasn't a lot of conversation um, in the general society about what was happening to children in these situations. They would talk about it, but it'd be kind of like abstract in news reports. And you, of course, everybody sees visuals of um, children in these impact zones. But there wasn't a lot of like real, to, to me, like kind of an emotional interrogation on what that says about our society when society doesn't protect the most vulnerable. Um, and And so that kind of became the driving force of it. Not that I necessarily wrote with this, you know, overarching agenda, but as the series began to be explored over the course of three novels and onwards, as I'm writing stories and novellas and stuff in the, in the, in the universe or the mosaic, as I call it, that's been my growing, um, and continuing interest is that because it's not a one and done deal for me. Interrogating all of those issues on a personal level, um, is, I find is important to me, and it seems that it resonates with a certain amount of people. Um, and it's been interesting to see, I guess, the, the growth and discovery, uh, more conscious discovery in society about these same issues. Um, and they are complicated, and they're horrible to confront. And what I found is that the stuff that I was discussing in my books is even... Um, I mean, people call them really dark and really brutal and and uh, some people really object to some of the content, but nothing that I've written is is actual fiction. <laughs> and you know, all the stuff that he goes through, if you strip away the space, uh, which is metaphorical, to me, the space environment and the um, aliens and all that, and the kind of fictional future, all of the actual things that he goes through on an emotional level, in those specific situations are all documented, and it's all taken, and that goes for all of the characters and through the through the trilogy as it stands right now through the mosaic. That all of the character, everything that I put them through as a as a writer in creating their story has been documented in the real world that children have gone through, um, very specifically and very literally as well. Um, I'm speaking to um you know being taken by warlords being groomed being trafficked being um uh complicated loyalties complicated uh emotional attachments to the people who um take them and abuse them and all all of those things so that's kind of like so the book is about basically that is his 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 journey as a child and seeing the war through the child a child's eyes um that became very important to me because I wasn't I didn't want to really get into all of the where it would be about captains and politicians and politics on on a high level, presidents and prime ministers and all of that in generals. I didn't want it to be about those people, really. Those people would be in the background, and that's why all the books are in first person or a tight third um, because I wanted I wanted the reader in the way that I was experiencing it as a writer to be very inside. The head of the person, and to realize that uh, these are all unreliable narrators. They're all um, struggling as we struggle, and 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 all very individual um, as people. And even though they might be in similar situations, they react and respond and come out of those situations all very differently. And that was my challenge to myself. And I guess anything a writer does for themselves, they're also doing for their reader. So if I'm challenging myself to write these characters with a certain amount of compassion and understanding even though they are doing things that could be problematic or damaging is to challenge the reader also to be along on that journey with these people um and not to judge and to to try and see it from all the different sides so hopefully that gives a a kind of overview of my um my uh, outlook in the way that I, or my approach in the way that I approach the series and and how um, deeply invested I am in investigating all of those, those aspects.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for that um, explanation and deep dive into what this series and story mean to you. And you're right. You're taking real life world problems, issues, not just for one country, but world in general and putting it in a science fiction setting and the emotional gut punches and impact they're real and it's documented like the hardships that some of these characters go through um so thank you so much for uh sharing that i appreciate that you mentioned that this the the series is written in first person or tight third but you do something very interesting in war child the first i think 40 pages or so you actually start it in the second person which threw me for a loop the first time I, I I read through it. And you said, we talked about it before, you said that you you defend the way you want to start that. But I just wanted to get your uh, two cents on it. Uh, why did you start the the book War Child in the second person and switch to first?
1: Um, uh, that was always the intention. And the reason it started in second person is because, like I said earlier, I woke up with the first couple lines of the novel in my head one day one morning and would they were in second person and and i've come to realize that that is um the creative unconscious at play it's not like i as a writer at that time as a young writer at that time having never actually completed an adult novel i was this is war child really is literally my first uh novel like adult novel that i would um that i would consider uh a real go at it um it's not like I was trying to do anything fancy. It was literally what came up. And I think that came from a lot of the reading and research I'd been doing pretty much my whole adolescence and early adult life, reading these memoirs and reading these um, accounts from soldiers and from uh, people in those situations that they often go to the second person because, you know, and I've all been interested in psychology. Obviously, if you um if anybody's read my work. And so going to the second person is a natural um, way of speaking about things uh, that, sh- that, it, that people are often unable to articulate otherwise because the second person distances you um, psychologically from the event. And so it became very natural to do that. And then as I was writing, and I always knew then that it would end um, once he was away from the inciting I guess you could say the crux of his trauma once he was somewhat away from it or away from the first part of it. I'm trying not to spoil it to people who've read it, but once he's away from it, then that I always knew then it would change to first person. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so there was no, there was no, uh, I should say, no agenda behind that, and I don't feel I need to defend it. Um, I think people who don't like it is that's just a reading preference and that's fair everybody has reading preferences um but it's it's just what it is and i can't imagine the novel without it it would be a completely different book i think um to a certain extent like joss's character being introduced in that way was important and that if i had started in the first person it would have had a completely different tone so um and i'm very conscious of tone as a writer and it, it, it would be different. And I know because when I wrote, wrote the second novel, I had problems figuring out um, exactly how to approach that point of view. So I know that there's a complete difference in when you use first person, second person, third person omniscient, third person limited, and how you navigate that as a writer on a craft basis absolutely influences how a reader experiences the character. So it was important to me to to nail it. And, and, and I always felt that was the easiest 40 pages I mean, considering the it's, it's it's a big it's a long novel and <laughs> complicated. That was probably the easiest 40 pages of the of the whole book for me to write.
0: Yeah, and it didn't throw me for it didn't wasn't so jarring for me. It's just that I haven't read many um, works of um, fiction in second person. I think the only one I've read was N. K. Jemisin's Broken Earth uh, series. That was second person, so I'm not. From too familiar with it, and I don't yeah. think I don't think many readers in general are. So it's definitely something to, uh, that will um, make them do a double double take. But it was beautifully written, and I have <laughs> I just thought I'd mention that because I thought it, it was definitely unusual for something that I I've read along the way.
1: Oh, I, I understand, and I, I appreciate that. I, I do think that was one of the things that kind of set. Because the, the, the novel won a contest that Warner, uh, books at the time was running. And I think that was one of the things that, uh, I guess surprised the, the readers and ultimately the judge, the judge and judges of that, uh, contest. So again, it wasn't intentional, but I'm great. I'm, I'm, I mean, overall the response to it has been, uh, people understanding why it was done and, and, um, and liking it. So I'll, uh, I take, I'll take that and run with it. So thanks.
0: <laughs> You're very welcome. Now, I, I haven't read the sequels uh, to uh, War Child, but I believe they are focused on s- different uh, point of view characters all together, and they deal with different different issues sur- surrounding it. Would you consider the two sequels, which were published, I believe, uh, true sequels, or, or can they be read kind of like standalones in the same universe?
1: Um, they were actually published only a couple of years apart, uh, like um, Burn Dive was 2003, War Child was 2002, Burn Dive was 2003 or 4, I think, and, and Cage Bird was 2005-06. So the original um, printings all through Warner were actually uh, quite close together. Um, and I've always approached it as a, as a mosaic series, even though I didn't have that terminology at the time in my head necessarily. But I'd always approached it as I did want to, to write an enmeshed series as opposed to, uh, necessarily, um, a sequential series in the standard way, um, because I wanted to, to write different points of view and overlapping some of the, um, same time period. But really, uh, the impetus behind that was I wanted to explore different psychologies, different people who, um, experience different sides of this conflict, um, and the characters do, and like especially in Burndive, like uh, Joss shows up in Burndive quite a lot, so he's not completely off the page. Cagebird is a different angle because with Cagebird, I specifically wanted to to write the point of view of the quote unquote bad guy, um, and that's because uh, through my research, I was I was reading a lot about the child soldiers who after the conflicts how they w- how they were treated or how they saw themselves or how they um how do they reintegrate back into society do they even reintegrate back in society how do you judge them or do you judge them for the things that they did when they were um under conflict or raised in um for- kind of like forcibly removed and then raised in conflict so i was really interested in those um, dynamics and in those nuances and, and, and to it to be kind of um, an upending of everybody, if people were reading the book sequentially um, in order of publication, that if you, you started with Joss, who was, um, you know, became a, a victim of this conflict very early. And so it was kind of easy to sympathize with him in that sense. Um, and then I went to Burndive, who was, which is a privileged point of view, which I was interested in exploring too. So someone who is, I guess, more like the, a readership a general readership would be where you are, you know, if you're lucky, has never have never actually experienced war firsthand. And so you are seeing it or reading about it, you know, from a distance. Um, and I was interested in exploring that point of view and what happens when, you know, that distance actually becomes quite close up. And then by the third book I was interested and I'd always had it in mind, but then I wanted to flip the script so to speak and then write from the point of view of a pirate. So a point of view of the of a person who, who in the context of, the, of this kind of galactic history, would be viewed immediately as a criminal, would be viewed immediately as someone who has actually perpetrated the stuff that Joss went through, and to tell then his story or, um, and how he became a pirate, because this is the story of a lot of child soldiers, actually, um, and children who are, are trafficked or exploited. And then um, kind of get into the life on, on that side of it. So um, so it is always my intention. And I I think I think even though they they are some people have read them out of order. Some people have read them um, and and think that they can be standalones. And then other people think that they should be read in order. And they don't really stand alone. So I think mileage varies on that concept. I would personally suggest to read them in order um, because I do. You know, because they were written in in a specific order that the concepts and the nuances and everything build over time in in that in that way. So starting with War Child gives a first impression, and then I kind of upend all of that with Burn Dive, and then upend it again with Cagebird.
0: Yeah, and I can't wait to get into those. And those are my TBRs shortly. Um, Why don't we now uh, switch gears, going from science fiction to your fantasy? Um, book The Guest Like Dogs but before we get to that I just wanted to get your two cents on what would you say is the big difference between writing your science fiction series and then switching to going to a, um, an epic not epic um, kind of like a grimdark type fantasy uh, novel
1: to me the, the difference is one of tone um, because the mechanics of the world building is the same regardless of what you're writing uh, to me even if you're writing non-genre um, you still have to world build in every genre that you write. And, and everything else after that is just mechanics. So it's like, if you're going to world build a science fiction novel, then there, are, you know, specific considerations to that because it's science fiction. Um, but, but that's still to me, uh, cosmetic to a certain extent. And so the fantasy is the same. So what it comes down to for me in the writing of it is the tone. So, and the voice, uh, and I mean the voice of the book itself um and that's the biggest difference that i remember from from writing gaslight dogs from science fiction is that i i wanted the tone and the voice to be very specific and to be different than my science fiction because i wanted the reader's experience of this world to be to have a certain flavor to it for want of a better term and 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 hopefully when readers do and and I knew that I was taking a risk with that just like I was taking a risk with writing a mosaic series where you're switching the points of view of the protagonists and some people who are very attached to the initial protagonists don't necessarily like that but I knew I was taking a risk in that readers who had read my science fiction and loved them might struggle with the fantasy because it's a completely different voice but I couldn't I couldn't do it in any other way and so Maybe that's an unusual answer, but that honestly is the the only difference, real difference for me in in switching genres like that. Because everything else to me is the cosmetics um, of of writing, which is you know the specific world names, the uh, you know the conceits um, that might be different from one genre to the next. But its tone and voice is is pretty important to me, and that's what tends to change more drastically.
0: Now this series is completely obviously completely different because it's uh, not a science fiction, but the guests like dogs, you're introducing kind of an old world meets new world type of setting. You have a Northern tribe and I believe they were written after the Inuit tribes uh, and they have their own, um, their own families, their own practices. They worship spirit animals. And then they're, and then they're kind of like invaded by like Southern um, empire with, with ships and guns and and gaslights, and then the plot just kicks into high gear. Um, where did you come up with the idea for uh, Gaslight Dogs? And um, is was this always a story you kind of wanted to write? Because I guarantee, you, like, a not a lot of research went into this.
1: It, it became a story I really wanted to write, and again, it's it goes back to what I said about a, like a writer's intuition and and realizing that all of your interests. Um, and the things that you're, you're passionately focused on culminate in something creatively. And it's why it's important for me as a writer to be open to all of that knowledge and experience. And so I, um, it, it's, it deals with cl- uh, colonialism and colonization. Um, but so did War Child and very, um, with War Child, it was conscious too, like a science fiction series of how the aliens were basically the, the human government was based were basically, um, colonists and in that colonial role. And so this was another way of exploring that uh, narrative. Um, But in, again, obviously in a very different and specific setting. And I lived up in the Arctic for almost a year and worked up there. So, and I'd been interested before I went up there in uh, the Victorian era. So those two things, and I've always been interested in, in the, uh, quote-unquote, the Western genre, so the Wild West, so to speak, and how all of that came about historically. And so through my research at that time, I realized all of these things kind of existed at the same time, and um, including uh, some of the first uh, real forays into the Arctic and how that impacted the Arctic and the um, the Inuit tribes that were um, and are up there uh, in the 19th century. And so through all of that, it all kind of came together and said, "All of this was it going on at the same time." So I wanted to then create a world where it was—it's not exact, obviously. There are, there are vast differences, and, and you know, one of them is the whole uh, spirit. It's not really a spirit animal, um, but the, the way that the Anu, which are my uh, northern tribes, the way that they interact with the spirit world is uh, very specific and, and different. Um, and so, but using these aspects as inspiration and wanting to do a deep dive, basically exploring some of these issues of colonialism and, uh, and conquering with different levels of power. And what does power actually mean? And what does, what do people consider to be power? And how, how is that power used? Um, it's basically the basis of, of that. Uh, series of beginning with that book is what I wanted to, to really investigate.
0: Yep. Great. And what people, uh, I found is that when they pick up this book, at least when I first picked up this, book, it's like, there's so much more b- buried beneath the surface and in the pages that maybe when this book was first brought out, that it didn't, wasn't reaching necessarily the right audience or, or the people were kind of like shell-shocked with what the, what the story was trying to uh, tell.
1: I mean, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, trying to understand what an audience or, uh, time period, because it came out in 2010 for readers who don't know. So, uh, quite a long time ago, the, the focus, I think, in general on genre fiction storytelling has, has changed a little bit since then. So in 2010, here I was telling this, uh, kind of a non-action packed dual, uh, dual point of view, um, novel that is, yeah, I don't, looking back on it, I think it's not, it's not traditionally structured or not traditionally, traditionally plotted. And some of that you can chalk up to my inexperience, but I'm fine with that. And in other ways, I think it's just, um, I wasn't interested in telling, um, and I've never been interested necessarily in telling, uh, easily, Or, I don't know how to put this, easily palatably structured novel. And so the book from these two different points of view are very internal. And what happens on the external part of the plot is, is just reflective of the internal. And so I've always actually tended to plotted my books on a, plot my books on a psychological arc. And that all of the scaffolding that happens in the external part of the plot was to support the psychological plot. And once the psychological part of it has, quote unquote, concluded, um, that's where the book would end. But And that's not something that I necessarily realized in my first novel, but I certainly realized it by the force. And I think because that can be kind of confusing for readers whose expectations want a traditionally told story that is all about you know hitting certain beats at certain times um that maybe it didn't go over well for that reason or maybe it's just that people weren't really interested in it (laughs) overall which is fair like I, I really don't know um I know that the readers who do uh love it um really understand it and and like not just like it to like it but the feedback i've gotten and that i've seen is that the people who respond to the novel and to all of my novels i think um really understand what i was going for and so that's very confirming to a writer because it is communication so um if it it was all just because maybe i'm not that great of a writer so people miss the point um i'm at least confirmed in the idea that they have been over the years, like tons and tons of readers that have gotten in touch with me who I feel really understand what I was doing. And so it lets me know that I actually was communicating something in a quote unquote right way. And Jenny is one of those people who contacted me very early and I'm very appreciative of how much, not just for her support, but how much her and people like you and other people that I've talked to over the years who. Yes, really understand what was was happening in that book and responded to it, and not. I mean, I certainly don't think it's perfectly written. I feel that it spoke to the people who it, who it's who were receptive in picking up what was being <clears throat> what was being said. So I don't. I've I've often wondered if it was published now in the um, in the tenor of what society is now, what the response would be. But again, that is, <clears throat> I'm not really concerned about that because it's you know that's something that I can't change, but I do hope that when people, you know, find the book later on and people are kind of constantly finding the book that they, um, they were, they receive from it what I was trying to say.
0: Yep. And Janny and I both received what you were trying to say with that. And probably my favorite character in this book was, um, was Jarrett. Um, he's part of the Southern empire. He's just a back and forth struggle he's having with his, with his father, who's, who's the captain of the place and him interacting with the, um, the, this girl, Northern tribes and how he's learning, discovering himself versus teaching this girl about, about like what society is now. And just that relationship as well. What was it like to write, uh, and was it, um, was it fun, fun to write him or is it more of a challenge?
1: He was a lot of fun. Um. He was a lot of fun, and I think part of that is because he was playing off of Stan, who was uh, the 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 girl, the Anna girl, um, and and they were they're totally different people, and they come from totally different worlds, and so going from one headspace to the other was a challenge, but also a lot of fun because they got to play off each other and to be in his headspace as someone who is, again, he's not entirely likable. Um, he has a lot of Prejudices um, because of the way he was raised and his limited point of view, and that was that was part of the the point that I wanted to explore through his character was uh, well. First of all, I I just I just the characters kind of evolve on their own. I I I try very hard not to put agenda through my characters because they they come out very organically for me, Um, and I approach them psychologically before I approach them. In any other way but he was um it soon became clear to me that i what i was exploring through him was um unbelief like disbelief i was exploring um people who he's so far removed from the spiritual realm in any capacity and how that colors his interaction with the world and then with a character like san or even Keeley, his limited his the arrogance that goes with that where somebody who um not only is he arrogant because he's uh you know he's a soldier he's well liked he's comfortable in his position he has a certain amount of power um he's uh a power in this world but the arrogance to believe that his limited view of his experience of being um 20 something years on on the planet his on his world in his world that he feels that he understands how everything works. And so part of that narrative was him confronting the fact that there is a whole other experience and truth that's going on that, is, that quite literally impacts him um, physically and then psychologically and spiritually that he is then has to grapple with. And that whole book is basically him fighting against truth and I was, you know, and, and Sam does that on, on, on uh, to a certain extent with her, for her too, because she also grew up in a certain um paradigm of truth. And then she's ripped from that and put into a completely different paradigm and then has to confront these other truths. And what, what does that really mean for you as an individual? Like, or do we dig our feet in when we are, you know, hit over the head with an experience that doesn't, Coincide with the things that we choose to believe, and how do we um, react to that and grapple with it? And and do we? I mean, it's not until ver- at the very end that Jared is then he succumbs to it for want of a better term because he he has to, and but then that's just the beginning of his journey. I'd intended because all sorts of other things would be happening once he's actually come to a certain realization, and the same for Sam. So there. They're parallel stories because their their arc is the same, um, but they are kind of going in different directions, but parallel, parallel, but different directions and um going from a state of imprisonment to a state of freedom. But that state of freedom comes with cost. And, you know, what kind of freedom that is Um, when you are actually free from your preconceived notions and free from your prejudices, it's actually very frightening. Um, especially if you're you're sort of forcibly freed from that so it it, you know it brings in those issues if you were to actually understand and confront and see reality for what it is how would you actually grapple with that because you know we all live in our own personal realities and that's not necessarily what the truth is all of those things were things that i was working out through that
0: book and immediately from when i finished uh, the guest like dogs i was immediately saying I was looking through like, oh, is there a sequel out? And then I realized that there, unfortunately there is not one. Are there any future uh, plans to um, write sequels into this world? And also along those same lines, um, are there any other uh, ideas or works that you have uh, in store that you can share with us?
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I always intended it as a trilogy and I plotted it as a trilogy and I pitched it as a trilogy, uh, to the point as I have the titles worked out and I've taken notes and I know generally, um, the, the, the macro plot of each of the books. So it's, it's just a matter of whether a publisher takes it on or not. If they don't, because it has been, you know, 12, 13 years since the first one was published. Um, if they never take it on, that's fine. I, I still want to write them. Um, and I'm determined to write them because for myself, too, to, I'm not done with that world or those characters. And th- it definitely will would be a journey um, for, the, for the for the characters, and not where I want to put them. So I definitely do want to write them um, for my own benefit, and then hopefully for people who are interested. And I think the the War Child universe is the or Mosaic is the one that I'm. Um, when I'm not working on other stuff is the one that I'm focused on right now, because I have um, plotted uh, five books for that. So two more two more novels, one that might be a shorter novel and one that may be a more standard novel to kind of complete for now the the macro plot of that. Um, and then in between that, I'm discovering that I put out a collection a couple years ago of short stories and vignettes and stuff in, in that um, universe. And that's something I can probably continue to do, you know, for X number of years. Um, but I'm finding that I, I want to supplement those kind of bigger macro, um, macro book ideas with whatever format I want. So I just finished a novella that it will bridge, um, the third and the fourth book. And it's again unconventional. It's, it's not like conventionally plotted. It's not like it's, trying to adhere to any you know specific genre form but i wrote it because i wanted to explore something with the characters and it ended up being quite revelatory and it's going to really impact the way the the main characters um are depicted in the rest of the the series and so i'm uh, i finished that uh, over the holidays or just before the holidays and i'm going to uh, edit it and work on it and try and put it out um, in the next couple, three months or so. Um, War Child's actually coming up to its 21st uh, anniversary. It's <laughs> really weird? Yeah, thank you. And so I, I, I do, I want to put out a, a special anniversary edition for that. So newly repackaged and everything. So I'm also going to be working on that um, to kind of, in, in a way to kind of kick off all the other projects within that mosaic that I want to to put out over the next year or two. I guess this will because the other two have been uh repackaged burn diving cage bird and they're available. Um so this will kind of kick off the new era or the new uh segment of that. And so I'm excited I'm excited about that. So those are things that I'm doing on my own and then in the midst of that I'm also um working on working on stuff for my agent. So um which I'm excited about but I don't um hopefully I'll be able to talk about it uh, in more in depth, um, soon. Oh, it's excellent. a fantasy. I can say that much. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy series wow. again.
0: Well, count me in for when that, uh, the war child, special edition comes out and definitely on the fantasy front. Cause that's my bread and butter. Happy to give that, give that a read and give it the love it deserves. So before we uh, wrap up here, I just want to ask you a quick question. Uh, do you have any, uh, suggestions of any authors or series that you have known been like under the radar? And would you like to give our audience a little bit of a uh, insight into?
1: She's not under the radar in that sense, but I find that, you know, when I um, talk to people, they haven't necessarily read her work. And then when I, you know, looking for her work, it's hard for me to um, find them readily available. I don't know, maybe I'm looking in the wrong places, but CJ Cherry is a huge influence on me um Anyone who's read my science fiction will know that, and I don't try and you know equivocate on it. She's a huge influence. I greatly admire her work, and I'm actually doing a reread with some friends of mine um, of Down Below Station, which I think is a great place to start with her. And she's written dozens and dozens of works across both genres, and I i, I do find that the people might have heard she's a grandmaster for one. So uh, she's for me she's you know, quote unquote, canon right up there with with everybody else that you consider canon. And yet some of the some people that I talk to who I guess who might be uh, from a younger generation, you know, are not necessarily familiar with her work um, or are just getting to it. So I would um, highly recommend her, both her fantasy and science fiction are, she's she's just a brilliant, brilliant writer. Um, Another series that I really love is Catherine Kerr's uh, Devery theories. Um, which again, when I talk to people, a lot of people aren't not that I talk to a ton of people, so it could just be that my pool is small, but not not, not a lot of people necessarily discuss this work, but I loved it. Um and I do love it. It's it, it's a kind of I guess you can call it a dark Celtic fantasy, but it, you know, deals with reincarnation in a way that totally blew my mind. Um, it's such a involved and intertwined Series and I, I, I just adored it um, when I when I read it, and I still adore it and would want to do a reread. So those are two two writers that I you know particularly love and will always love. Also, um, Maureen McHugh, M um, C H U um, G H. She's also fantastic and was a huge influence on me. Um, uh, she's, her first novel was uh, China Mountain Zhang. Uh, which is actually an unconventional novel. is a series of connected novellas with um, con- with uh, common characters through all the novellas. And so actually reading that um, early on and how you can break the standard form of what a novel should be was very influential on me. And I think I continue to think about that as I'm, I'm going forward and how to, you know, write write the, write books in the way that they need to be told and not necessarily in the way people expect or the, necessarily in the way that people um, come to be used to. Um, and so, you know, her first novel was China Mountain Zhang. She's still, she's since written, you know, other novels and short stories, and she's also great. So Maureen McHugh, Catherine Kerr, and CJ Cherry, three incredible women, three incredible writers that have greatly influenced me as
0: a writer. that's a fantastic list. I actually, I just picked up my first CJ novel, um, The Morgaine Saga, or The Morgaine Series. Oh,
1: yes. Actually, her... That was one of the first, that was the first novel I read by her was, I think was the fourth novel in that series, Exile's Gate, which is not a way to, I mean, I had no context to this world. I had no context to her as a writer. I just liked the cover. (laughs) I think I picked it up at the library and I said, oh, this is a cool cover. It sounds interesting. I loved Arthurian um, stuff. And this seemed to be tangentially related to that. So I read it. And I think, I didn't quite get it because I was really young when I read it, but what struck me so much was the characterizations and the style. And it's from that that then I just launched into a love affair with her work. I went straight from that into, um, I think, down below Saitine and down below Station, were the, the um, earliest works of hers that I read, and then on and on. Um, and so that's a that's a great cycle to start with because it's again they're so they're so moody. There's there's so much. Um, great mood and tone and characters in, in those books. And, um, and then, yeah, if you haven't read her science fiction um, she's uh, she's comes from a very anthropological viewpoint and psychological viewpoint. So even if you might not be uh, a completely, you know, geared towards being a science fiction reader, her books are, are very human. And so um, I think they would appeal to you. And they her you, her Alliance union universe is just
0: incredible. can't wait to dive in (laughs) so all right well thank you so much karen for uh, coming on uh why don't you tell the uh listeners where they can find you either on on twitter and your website
1: all right thank you um the easiest i guess is my main website where i post everything new and uh, canon so that's karen malachi.com um my Twitter, even though I'm on it less for obvious reasons, is uh, Karen Lowe, So K-A-R-I-N-L-O-W. And my Instagram is K-L Storyteller. And those are the three social media sites that are on right now, basically. And then I have a link tree that's attached to all of them that gives um, direct links to all of my books and my other, my other socials. So um, I'm on Goodreads too, kind of tangentially as well. So. Um, those are the basic ones. So yeah, hit me up um, if you've read my work or not, if you've read my work and uh, yeah, just uh, let me know you're out there. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much, Karen. This has been such a joy. i would be lovely to do this again sometime.
1: Thank you so much, Blaze. Appreciate it.
0: Cheers.